Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Sandeep Vajnavi will join us to discuss traumatic brain injuries. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Rock's Science Show. Well, a traumatic brain injury is a life-changing event, affecting an individual's lifestyle, ability to work, relationships, even personality. But often for those family members who have to deal with individuals suffering from a traumatic brain injury, understanding the changes to mood, memory, and behavior can be somewhat perplexing. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Sandeep Vashnavi. Dr. Vashnavi is the director of the Neuropsychiatric Clinic at Carolina Partners. He's a neuropsychiatrist at the Preston Robert Tisch Brain Tumor Center at Duke University Medical Center and is affiliated with Duke's Department of Psychiatry and Community and Family Practice. Together with Dr. Vani Rao, he has penned the new book, The Traumatized Brain, a family guide to understanding mood, memory, and behavior after brain injury. And Dr. Vashnavi, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, well, certainly our pleasure. Certainly a, a fascinating book you've written here, The Traumatized Brain, in which you really talk about some of the changes that really go on in the brain and how that gives rise to these changes in mood, memory, and behavior of the uh, affected individual. I'm, I'm curious, first of all, how did you become uh, interested in this particular subject and how did you uh, decide to write this book? Well, uh, a few reasons. I mean, one is that traumatic brain injury is a, is a huge public health crisis, really, uh, in this country and even internationally. There are literally millions of people who have suffered traumatic brain injury and are suffering it every year. So it's a huge public health crisis. So that's one big um, big reason that I wanted to write this. The other, though, is that a traumatic brain injury, oftentimes the silent aspect of traumatic brain injury uh, is the neuropsychiatric aspect, that is uh, mood, memory, behavior, basically emotional, behavioral, and cognitive symptoms after traumatic brain injury. Those things are not always very evident to people. So if someone breaks a leg, for example, or their arm doesn't work, the arm doesn't move anymore, and that's obvious, or you're in a wheelchair, that's obvious. But oftentimes it's not obvious if people have all of these behavioral and cognitive and emotional problems, uh, and these very well can occur and do occur after traumatic brain injury. So one of the big reasons for writing this book was to let people understand that there are all of these symptoms, these chronic symptoms after traumatic brain injury that are oftentimes hidden, that are kind of silent. It's almost like a silent epidemic, actually. Uh, so that was, that was another big reason. And then the final main reason is to help people understand how the brain works. How is it that our memories, our moods, our behaviors, cognitive aspects, how come these can be affected by a physical insult to the brain? What are the circuits in the brain that are involved? And really to help people understand that these psychiatric symptoms can occur and do occur directly because of brain trauma, brain damage. Are there uh, different types of traumatic brain injury? Yes. The way we define traumatic brain injury generally is that 
it is where the brain has been directly impacted. So how it's impacted can vary. So, for example, it could be that something hits the head directly, like a hammer hits the head. For example, that's certainly a traumatic brain injury. But people can also have uh, other aspects of trauma or different types of trauma as well. Um, we really look at traumatic brain injury in terms of um, kind of a couple of ways. One is that to get at, by definition, to get a traumatic brain injury, you're really, uh, you're really having something that actually causes you to be dazed or confused, even if it's momentary. So, for example, if you have a car accident and you don't directly hit the, the head doesn't directly hit the windshield, let's say, but your, your head is shaking within the skull because of the impact of the brain, because of the uh, car accident, that too is a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury, if you feel dazed or confused, even for a moment. So it's really important for uh, for everyone to understand that if you just if you bump into something, let's say with your head, that's not necessarily a traumatic brain injury. It's really that something happens to your head, either directly because of a direct impact or indirectly, but you do feel dazed or confused for at least a moment. So how's the level of injury then diagnosed? Well, there are uh, basically kind of crudely there are three ways, uh, three aspects to it. You can think of um, traumatic brain injury as a mild uh, traumatic brain injury. You can think of it as moderate or severe. And there are many different ways to kind of uh, dissociate these different levels. But the one that I like uh, mostly is uh, that if you have um, less than 30 minutes of loss of consciousness, and that could be zero minutes, I mean zero to 30 minutes of loss of consciousness, that's considered a mild traumatic brain injury. If you have more than 30 minutes of loss of consciousness, but less than 24 hours, that's considered a moderate traumatic brain injury. And more than 24 hours loss of consciousness is considered a severe traumatic brain injury. That's one method. The other method is to look at something called post-traumatic amnesia, which is basically how long does it take you after the brain injury to be able to start to form new memories. So in other words, if you give some new information to someone, you introduce someone uh, to the person with brain injury, how long does it take before that person can actually remember that name? So that's what I mean by post-traumatic amnesia. And for post, if you look at post-traumatic amnesia as, as a way to divide into mild, moderate, and severe brain injury, a mild traumatic brain injury would be where you have less than one hour of post-traumatic amnesia. Moderate would be between one hour and 24 hours of post-traumatic amnesia, and severe would be more than 24 hours. So lots of different ways to look at it, but those are two good ways, uh, I think. Uh, and so does the uh, emergence of all the emotional, behavioral, and uh, cognitive problems, the severity of those, like, correlate with how severe the brain injury was? Uh, generally, that's true. Uh, more moderate to severe brain injuries tend to lead to more long-term consequences, neuropsychiatric consequences. Though, I have to say that uh, there's this emerging uh, evidence that perhaps multiple mild traumatic brain injuries or concussions over time may accumulate and also lead to long-term problems, and that there's this notion of what's called chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE. And this is something which is actually getting some press nowadays uh, because uh, with the National Football League and, and just interest in sports in general and concussions uh, that people may suffer over time, does it actually lead to long-term consequences? And uh, this is controversial, but, but there, there are data that suggests that, there are, that that can happen, that you can have these kinds of mood and cognitive and behavioral consequences even with mild brain injuries, if they're repetitive, they occur many times. So there's just sort of an accumulation of, of damage to the brain that would be similar to one big hit. 
Right, that could very well be. I mean, we, we know that having a brain injury, even if it's a mild brain injury, is not a good thing. And certainly if you have multiple mild brain injuries, that uh, that may, in fact, accumulate. Those effects may accumulate over time. Uh, now, not everyone necessarily has these long-term effects. We don't know why is it that some people have them, some people don't. We do know that uh, when pathology, when you look at pathology, look at NFL players, for example, who've had many, many mild traumatic brain injuries or concussions over their playing career, a, a high number of them, at least on, on pathology, when you look at it, a high number of them have uh, damage to their brain and have, and oftentimes have symptoms like these, these neuropsychiatric symptoms. Now, you know, that may not be representative of everyone who has mild traumatic brain injury, even if you have multiple injuries. It may be something which is more specific to professional sports where you have so many of these. So we don't know that yet, but but yes, that is a notion, uh, or at least that's one possibility that they can accumulate over time. Uh, are there specific parts of the brain that are particularly susceptible to trauma? Yes. Um, so just to step back a little bit, the brain is, is soft. I mean, the brain tissue is soft, but the skull is hard. So the, right there, we have a problem. Because if you have an impact to the, to the head, right, let's say uh, with a car accident again, well, what happens is that the soft tissue of the brain moves within the hard casing of the skull. And uh, that's a problem because what can happen is the hard areas of the skull can actually shear or tear into the soft brain tissue. So there are particular parts of the brain that are more vulnerable, actually, because there are these bony prominences of the skull that are right there next to the brain. And if the brain moves within the skull, let's say with a, with a traumatic brain injury like a car accident, uh, then yes, then that part of the brain can be particularly damaged. And in general, it's the frontal and temporal lobes. Those areas of the brain tend to be more vulnerable just because that's where the bony prominences of the skull are. Uh, so what are the most common psychiatric problems that then you see arising after a traumatic brain injury? So one of the most common uh, problems is depression. Uh, major depressive episodes can occur, depending on the study that you look at, uh, anywhere from 25 to 50% of patients after a traumatic brain injury may develop depressive symptoms. So, And this is actually higher than the baseline population. I mean, depression is a fairly common thing in general, but the level of depression or the amount of depression that we see uh, is much higher in people with uh, traumatic brain injury. Um, now, people can also argue, well, you know, it's related to the fact that, that the person who had the injury has gone through all of this. But studies have actually, actually looked at brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries of, um, versus other kinds of injuries, bodily injuries. And it turns out that the traumatic brain injuries are much more likely to cause depression than just the general bodily injury. So we do think that it's something specific to the brain and the circuits of the brain that are affected by, uh, by the injury. So depression is, is certainly one of the top ones. Anxiety also, anxiety symptoms are uh, rather common as well. Uh, perhaps a quarter or 25% of patients after traumatic brain injury may suffer from that. There's also a high risk of substance use um, and uh, after traumatic brain injury. And then there are things which are less common, such as psychotic symptoms, such as hallucinations and delusions, 
or um, other things like that are less common. But um, but you can also see behavioral consequences like irritability, mood changes uh, that you can see, personality changes, aggression, agitation. That's not uncommon. And then the cognitive symptoms such as memory problems or attention problems or trouble processing things quickly, multitasking. These are the kinds of things we see after brain injury. Is it tougher treating those type of psychiatric symptoms resulting from a traumatic brain injury rather than from other causes of those type of psychiatric conditions? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's one kind of big dogma in neuropsychiatry, uh, which is that what really matters is the circuitry. So what are the circuits in the brain that are affected? And exactly how they're affected may not matter so much. So, for example, with depression. So if the mood regulation circuits are affected, uh, either by traumatic brain injury or it could be by brain tumor or it could be by stroke, or it could be because of genetic vulnerability. It just runs in the family. Any of those things, uh, as long as they cause damage to that particular circuit of the brain, will cause the symptom, that is depression. So ultimately what we're trying to do with treatment is we're trying to, to deal with that circuit, to try to improve that particular circuit. So we still use the same kinds of medications. Um, so if, it was tra- if it's due to traumatic brain injury or if it's not, we still end up using similar medications uh, to help. So it's, not, it's different in the sense that some of the qualities of the symptoms are different and the dosing of the medications that we use is actually much less oftentimes than if it's just depression that runs in families, let's say. Uh, because of the brain injury, you're more vulnerable to side effects of medication. So there are definitely differences, but it's the same kinds of medicines that we use for symptoms. Uh, unfortunately, at this point in time, we don't have medications that are specific to traumatic brain injury. Uh, we can only treat the symptoms due to damage to the circuits of the brain. Um, hopefully that will change over time. And in fact, there is some new evidence, uh, new studies that are actually looking at biomarkers for traumatic brain injury where you can actually track the brain injury itself, uh, such as BDNF, which is a um, kind of, it's, a, it's called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Uh, so that may be one uh, one aspect, one thing to to kind of track brain injury over time. So, you know, once we learn more and more about traumatic brain injury, we're able to track it and have these biomarkers. I think then we're going to be able to have more specific treatments. Uh, what about the individuals who are suffering from these psychiatric problems? Are they more likely to seek treatment? Yes. So that's, that's really the whole problem, actually. That's really one of the main reasons uh, for this book, The Traumatized Brain, is so that people understand that these kinds of symptoms, psychiatric symptoms, can and do arise from brain injury, and I don't think that's that's really clear, uh, because what happens a lot of times is people are focused on the original event. You know, obviously they they've had this brain injury, and say let's say it's a, a moderate to severe brain injury. So the main issue of that initially is to make sure that you survive. Obviously, um, you know, if you're in a coma, to get out of the coma, uh, you may be vulnerable to seizures at that time. People may uh, get delirious or confused during that initial period of time. And then later on, though, once they've gone through rehab, let's say, and things like that, oftentimes people just sort of uh, don't follow up in terms of psychiatric symptoms because they don't necessarily correlate the two. They may not understand that because of this frontal lobe injury, for example, personality has changed. You know, people are much more agitated and irritable. That people don't necessarily correlate it to, and that's really one of the main um, reasons for this book is to help people understand and family members to understand that it's not really them. They're not just being this way. This is because of brain injury. 
circuits in the brain that control our moods, control our personality, control who we are, control our emotions, all those things are affected by brain injury. And again, it's not always clear to people. So similar then, have you, have you found then that family members have a little more trouble then understanding uh, these changes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, uh, there, there's not that uh, intuitive connection necessarily. I mean, we oftentimes, uh, I think, just naturally would assume that, well, you know, this person has had, my, my friend has had this uh, really bad traumatic brain injury, and they've had, some, they've had a tough time, they have, they're recovering from it, and, you know, you may say that, well, their, their personality changes are related to all of that. And that may be an aspect of it, but it's very well possible that because of the brain injury itself, just the damage to the brain and certain circuits, that's why they're acting the way that they are. And I, I think family members, friends, they, they don't see that necessarily. And we see this time and time again in clinic when we see patients with traumatic brain injury. Uh, people are oftentimes surprised that, that these kinds of things can occur because of brain injury. Because they may just think about the sort of the, the more typical neurological symptoms such as, uh, well, person's having seizures because of the brain injury or they're dizzy because of brain injury or they're having headaches. And all of those things definitely can occur. But when you have damage to these higher-order circuits in the brain that control our emotions and behaviors, you will have these psychiatric symptoms. It's, it's a natural correlate. It, it really isn't a surprise. Um, as a neuroscientist, to me, it's not a surprise. But for the lay public, oftentimes it is. I'm curious, uh, maybe if you have some advice for those individuals who've, who've suffered traumatic brain injury, uh, coping with some of these problems. Sure. Um, I think, it's again, it's really important to, to kind of Understand a little bit about traumatic brain injury, what it is, and um, and it's important to to be able to kind of categorize it a little bit in their own minds. Uh, mild traumatic brain injury, for example, generally most people with mild solitary mild traumatic brain injuries do recover uh, within a few months. So oftentimes I advocate for patients and their family members to be patient about it. I mean, it does take time for the brain to recover. For more moderate to severe brain injuries or maybe repetitive mild uh, traumatic brain injuries, well, that's, that's tougher. And, um, but it is important to understand, I think, for family members at least, uh, for them to understand and that these kind of mood and behavioral and cognitive symptoms are, are common. They occur after these kinds of brain injuries. And to be patient, actually, with their family members and be, to be advocates for them. Um, it's really important to, to communicate well with their physicians and to actually see specialists like neuropsychiatrists who specialize in uh, psychiatric aspects of neurological disease like traumatic brain injury. Um, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily see specialists with these symptoms because they don't necessarily correlate that with the traumatic brain injury. So that, again, that's really one of the main roles, I hope, of this book, uh, The Traumatized Brain, is to have people understand the genesis of these symptoms and where they come from. And it's okay to see a specialist, and the specialist can really help them. I mean, there are treatments, there are symptom management that we can do, not just with medications, but also with lifestyle changes, uh, with maybe nutri nutrition, uh, with cognitive rehabilitation techniques. So there are a lot of things, and even there's some newer technologies that are being tested right now, such as uh, what's called transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, which is basically a kind of brain stimulation. These are new techniques that are still being studied, but I, I do hope in the future that we'll have all of these tools available for patients. But they, the, the family members and the patients have to know that this is related to brain injury and then seek the help. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, the new book is called The uh, Traumatized Brain, A Family Guide to Understanding Mood, Memory, and Behavior After Brain Injury. And we were just talking with Dr. Sandeep Vaishnavi, one of the authors with Dr. Vani Rao. Uh, Dr. Vaishnavi, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you. My pleasure. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.